As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films. This <laughs> kids. God damn it. I didn't, do sh- I didn't do shit. I'm Mary uh, Beth and I didn't do shit. <laughs> yeah, we'll go, go with that. In each episode, our special guest brings with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, our guest is writer Jessica Scott. You can see her work on places such as Film, Film Cred, Daily Grindhouse, um, Ghouls Magazine, and on her site, We Who Walk Here. Um, she's also a cosplayer extraordinaire. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Jessica. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. Thank you for Yay. lying like that with the cosplayer extraordinaire. I'm so flattered. But <laughs> Okay, hey, but you posted truth. this badass wig, like the <laughs> pastel colored wig. Like that shit is so cool. Thank you. You've also showed me that cosplay does not have to be like elaborate and crazy, but you really can just do it like in your house with some wigs and like it's not that difficult as like, you think it would be. It's intimidating. Yeah. It totally is. But yeah, literally I just like put on a different dress and a wig and I'm like, hey, I'm this character. It's so much fun. But yeah. Yay, I'm so excited to be on the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> we're excited to have you. Uh, so we're going to start back at the beginning. How did you get introduced to horror? Oh, gosh. Um, I I don't remember a time when I wasn't into horror. Like, um, I always liked spooky things, scary things, like every Halloween episode of a sitcom or a cartoon or whatever. That was my jam. Uh, the first horror movie I remember seeing was Poltergeist. My parents rented it. And I snuck out from my bedroom and hid behind the couch and watched it while they watched it so they wouldn't catch me uh, because they they tried early on to keep me from watching scary things so I wouldn't have nightmares. But then they realized it was useless and I was going to watch it anyway and that it didn't freak me out like it did them. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, like after Poltergeist, I was like, oh, I need, I need to watch the really like for me at the time that was super hardcore because I was like five years old. I was like, oh, I need to watch the hardcore stuff. Like that's pretty hardcore in general, though, I would say like, pol- like Poltergeist is not like a kiddie movie. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. 
<laughs> I'm not trying to be like all oh, you Poltergeist fans out there. You're with a soft stuff. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> Imagine he's a five year old being like, "That shit's cool. Like, let's fucking go. Yeah. Like, I want to see more faces falling off into like sinks. Oh, oh my god, that that scene in particular. Oh my god. But yeah, I was like, bring on the creepy clowns. Bring on the melting faces. You know, like that was the best part of Raiders of the Lost Ark for me was the faces melting off. I was like, I want all the face melting you can give me. <laughs> so I just kind of kept going from there, like at the video store and, you know, catching things on TV. And so, yeah, like horror has always been like one of the major things in my life. That movie had the most horrific beginning and the best ending because the <laughs> horrific beginning has a fucking spider on the back of the the jacket when they're in oh the tomb God. and he has to like knock them off. I'm like, no. Yeah. Mm-mm. But then you get melty faces. So it's sort of like. Yeah, and a reward at the end. Yeah, it's worth it. It's a good trade-off. What were some other um, horror favorites of yours growing up? When I was like a teenager, I saw The Haunting for the first time, the original from 63. Ooh. And it terrified me. For the longest time, that was the scariest movie I'd ever seen. Even things that I think a lot of people would consider more frightening than The Haunting, that always scared me the most. Um, just sitting alone in the dark mm. with that brilliant sound design and that brilliant direction. And it's so creepy because haunted house movies are my favorites. Those are the ones that scare me the most. So the haunting for sure. Um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was like, that was the movie that like, I always say that's what turned me into a horror fanatic. Like I loved horror I before love then, but that was the one that like, I didn't blink the whole time I watched it. I just sat and I just like, I was like, oh, this is what I want out of life. <laughs> Do you remember how old you were when you saw Texas Chainsaw mm, Massacre? Like 14 or 15. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so Better than seeing it like really young. We're still waiting for that. That this was the movie that I, I saw as a little right, kid. Yeah. And, you know? I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Right. I watched that when I was in my like not like I watched it for the first time not too long ago, like a couple years ago, and I was oh, like, wow. "Fuck this!" Like, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> it's so fucking good, but good god, it is! Oh my god, it's ah, uh, yeah. Um, I'm actually like the hear us scream the um, collection of horror essays. That's what I'm writing my essay about. Um, is Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Um, just because, nice. Yeah, that is what turned me from ooh, I like spooky stuff to oh my god, horror is my life. So <laughs> that's awesome. That is so, wait, now that you hear that, that's so funny that like there is a distinction in my life between like, oh, I like spooky shit and oh, I like horror movies. Yes. Like yeah. that is so, I guess I always thought of them as the same thing, but hearing you say that, it's like, oh, yeah, wow, there really was like a different, like a different in my head, a different like divide between. Like in creepy, like Courage the Cowardly Dog and like mm-hmm. Invader Zim and stuff that I grew up watching on TV versus like, oh, I'm going to go watch a fucking horror movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. For me, that was like that was the Alien slash Nightmare on Elm Street moment where it was like before that, you know, the the horror was kind of safe and kind of fun and a little bit spooky. And then it was that one movie that's like, OK, now I see what horror really is yeah exactly yeah Yeah, before that it was like i was all about like cobwebs and creaking doors and you know spooky houses but then seeing how bleak and how horrifying horror could be i was like oh this speaks to my soul you know Mm, yeah mm -hmm. that was the strangers and the blair witch project i think for me like really thinking about the two films and i'd be like oh my god like that's what being scared is it's not Mm -hmm. like jump scares and being grossed out like that is what it means to be fucking scared yes like that bone deep dread i love it Mm -hmm. where things aren't safe anymore exactly 
Exactly. Like that fit my worldview. Cause like I, things didn't feel safe to me as a kid. And like, I always knew that like the universe was kind of off kilter compared to how it's often portrayed, especially in kids pop culture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. when I found Texas chainsaw, that was like, nothing is safe. Nothing is normal. Nothing is what it appears. I was like that horror knows the truth. Horror is the truth. That's, mm. that's how exactly. it's supposed to be. But- scared to show you the truth it's like yeah. yeah no we know everything sucks and like it's fucked up so like let's just talk about it rather exactly. than be like everything's great right yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> horror movies are neat <laughs> we like horror i hate i hate horror movies <laughs> they're just so dumb fuck horror movies man <laughs> horror's the worst thanks for listening <laughs> and it's the end of our podcast forever that's why we had you on it's been a long con you know <laughs> all to get to this episode uh <laughs> so transitioning to it to an adult what do you think draws you to the to the genre now i think i i know this has kind of gotten a little flack in recent weeks i think in a way horror is very therapeutic for me because you know, mm. like i talked about i nothing ever felt safe or secure to me as a kid so seeing a genre that depicted that in a way that i thought was honest and authentic but i could enjoy it safely like i can sit for 90 minutes or two hours and kind of work out my anxieties or work out my fears in a controlled setting. I mean, that's so appealing to me. Um, that's not the only thing I like about horror. I'm not like, this is my therapy session. Let's go. You know, <laughs> it's also, it's also just fucking fun. You know, like it is fun to be scared. It's fun to watch people get killed sometimes, you know, like I like monsters and I like, you know, slashers and all kinds of spooky stuff. I do think uh, to to go along with that, I do think that horror, I mean, even Wes Craven, I, I bring up this quote a lot, but Wes Craven says that, you know, horror is the boot camp for the psyche. So I, you know, mm-hmm. I can, I can definitely see how it kind of helps you process fear of society or personal fears that you might have that. I mean, that I think that's the power of, of a good horror film yeah. for sure. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, whether it's a specific anxiety or a specific phobia, or if it's just, being a generally anxious person or, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's got some fear or some sense of, you know, the outside world is scary, especially not to be the person who brings up the pandemic, but it, especially right now, like everybody's scared of the outside world. So, you know, kind of exercising your demons in bite-sized chunks that can also be funny or entertaining or heartwarming or, you know, there's so much going on in horror that's not just scares. I mean, Yeah. I'm I'm curious. So since you you do talk about, you know, working out like anxieties and fears through horror, do you find yourself when you want to do that going back to comfort films or is it anything in particular? It's I take two different um, approaches depending on my mood or what's going on. Sometimes it's Mm -hmm. a horror film that I like a comfort film, like something like your next like a slasher where I really like a really strong final girl where I'm like, I just want to feel like I could kick anybody's ass, you know, mm. like I just want to live vicariously through Aaron or through Ginny in Friday the 13th part two, you know, like my favorite final girls. I just, you know, um, but sometimes it's, if I've got something that I'm working through and I kind of want to address it, like I'm, I might watch a, rape revenge film if i need to work through issues related Mm -hmm. to certain experiences or 
Um, there, you know, if I lately I've been kind of seeking out films dealing with grief because I've been dealing with that in my life. Um, mm -hmm. and it just kind of helps me touch those emotions in a way that feels safer perhaps than, you know, doing it outside of horror, if that makes sense. So it just depends on what I'm looking for. Sometimes I just need a comfort film where I just want to be like, I'm the strongest bitch on the planet, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, it's that's so funny because I, I tell my therapist that and like my psychiatrist and they're always so sometimes they get weird reactions from mental health care people, which is probably inappropriate on their art. I will say I'm learning right. that now where it's like, why are you telling me that my coping mechanism is unsafe when it's like, actually, it is a very safe coping mechanism. I think like you are able to kind of like you said, experience and like release those feelings that you have in a controlled, safe space where it's all in the on the screen. You can pause it and stop it whenever you want. And it's fictional. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, I've written a lot about rape revenge films and anxiety and stuff. And like those films really have been a huge outlet. And I think that is so amazing about horror that like people find comfort and find solidarity and just like the power of these movies. And like it also makes you feel good when you're like oh someone else has felt this before like i am not alone and like this weird thing i'm having like i have ocd and i have intrusive thoughts when i can watch something that like replicates the experience having intrusive thoughts i'm like oh, i am seen i am not a crazy person and it's it's just it just again it's really comforting just to feel like okay i'm not the only person that's having this experience like i'm not going crazy like it's just you know one of those days. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm with you on feeling seen. And I have the same issue. I also have OCD. And I also have um, CPTSD. And like, I, I always kind of uh, apologize for this in advance, because jump scares, even when I see them coming a mile away, always get me because I'm easily startled. I'm very jumpy. So like the movie terrified which is one of the scariest Ooh. movies I've ever seen. It took <laughs> me six hours to watch that because I kept pausing and walking away and coming back. <laughs> like it's the, it's one of the best movies I've if seen. You're in jumpy, forever. like ooh, god. oh god, like you're like I gotta take a break. I had to take a break. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine seeing that movie in a movie theater when you're inebriated. Mm -mm. Did you? Yeah. <gasps> what? Oh no! Uh -huh. I, I'm usually I'm usually one to like to vibe but to watch things inebriated but i don't know about that <laughs> uh didn't know we we it was we saw it at uh at telluride before it premiered on on shutter and i was uh inebriated that night how did that go and it was um <laughs> it was a traumatizing experience and i'm <laughs> It was it was either like the longest movie I'd ever seen, or like I, and I I wasn't sure if that was because I was inebriated or if it was because it was an experience. I I will I will say that. So I I, I feel you a hundred percent having to watch it because I would have liked to have stopped the movie and got off that ride a couple Stop times. Stop the world! I want to get off. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! <laughs> Wait, okay, so this, this transitions well into our next question, which is, do you still get that childhood fear watching horror movies? And it sounds like you, you still might. Oh my god, yes. Um, like, 
it, not with movies that I've seen several times, like The Haunting, doesn't scare me as much anymore just because I've seen it a million times. Yeah. But new movies, like I said, I like I just watched The Strangers Pray at Night and I had to keep pausing. Like, and that, to me, that's not really that scary of a movie, but I just was like, nah, I, this is a little too much right now. You know, like I, I buy into movies a lot. I don't see plot twists coming very often. I'm very credulous when I'm watching a film. So the scares. Oh, I wish that was me. Oh, man. I, I sometimes I'm embarrassed by it because I feel dumb, but like the scares hit me and uh, jump scares. Like I said, even like I can pinpoint, okay, the jump scare is going to come seven seconds from now. And it's still, I just fall off my bed or I fall off the couch because I'm so freaked out. <laughs> I'm the same way. It. Like I'm very jumpy too. So it's like, I am like, oh yeah, I know exactly what it means. Like that's building, like watching The Conjuring, the third one. I was like, I know exactly what's going to happen. I still fucking jumped. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew it was happening. I was like, I know exactly what's going to happen and who was going to pop out from right behind that door. Mm-hmm. And I still get scared. Yeah. Sometimes I'm embarrassed by that. But at the same time, I like that I'm still scared by movies. Like, I don't ever want to not be scared by horror. Don't ever change that because <laughs> no. I, I miss it. I miss exactly. it so much. Well, and has, has a movie ever hit you the way that like Texas Chainsaw Massacre did? Ooh, um... Gosh, I'm going to try not to pause for like 10 minutes while I, you know, have a thousand yard stare and think about that question. (laughs) Um, I've never watched a movie in my entire life. Thank you. Like, I mean, I should have made a lot more notes before I came on the show. No, it's okay. No, literally every time I'm on a podcast, they ask me a question like that. I'm like, (laughs) exactly. That's why we do it. It's more fun to be on the side of the questions. (laughs) We get to watch you answer the question. Like the only two (laughs) movies I can remember in my whole life are Legally Blonde and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. All the other movies I've ever watched. My God. What a double fucking feature. We should look at me. That's I love that. No. Okay. Um, Movies that have hit me like (laughs) Texas Chainsaw. Violation. Just because you know, I, I'm not the rape revenge expert that Mary Beth is, but I've seen quite a few of them. And that one felt the most emotionally authentic to me as a survivor, um, which I never say out loud. So, <laughs> Is it thunderstorming somewhere? It is. I'm sorry. It's thundering here. That's so cool. So spooky. Right? I need to start like, <laughs> on a dark and stormy wow. night. I watched Violation. <laughs> <laughs> but... That movie absolutely kicked me in the teeth mm-hmm. in a good way. Yes. But like you me said, it, it is the most emotionally authentic rape revenge movie yes. that I've ever seen. Yes, agreed. Yeah. <sighs> so that one, Damn. like, and I, I had seen rape revenge movies that I really love prior to certain experiences that happened in my life. So they didn't hit me the same way. But watching Violation, when I mm. did, I was like, oh, God, that this is like this is the distillation of what that feels like you know yeah so, yeah yeah mm-hmm. not i mean not to pivot 180 no, degrees please do. But, i keep bringing uh, the room down transitioning <laughs> no, but transitioning from that rape revenge movie right. is like getting really sad let me tell you about my trauma no, go for it. <laughs> hey, we are scarred for life, but I no, but okay. So, how did you how did you get into writing about horror? Have you always have you always written? What um, how, what made you decide that you like to to write about it? I think this is a funny story. I don't know if it's actually funny or not. Um, <laughs> I started my blog in 2017, um, and I was married at the time. Was it a dark and stormy it night? Was. <laughs> it, it has been thunderstorming in my life for the past four years now. 
You just live in the land of eternal <laughs> yes. thunderstorms. God, I wish. I mean, how goth I is that? Really? Awesome. I was gonna say, that sounds goth as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just like, you know, a 300-yard radius thunderstorm that's directly over my head. It just follows me everywhere. <laughs> Hell right? yeah. Right? I'm like Mary Shelley. <laughs> like, I command the thunder. <laughs> okay. Um, I remember the question. Okay. In 2017. <laughs> 2017. Um, I was married at the time to someone who was not a horror fan and was sick to death of me talking about horror movies. <laughs> and he said, um, I don't want to hear about this shit anymore. Why don't you start a blog? So <laughs> Like, both rude and, like, thank you, but, like... <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was, like, rude. But also, that's not a bad idea. Like, I, I always liked writing. Um, I hadn't done much of it and really hadn't done much for, like, several years after college. Um, but I was like, yeah, I'll start a blog. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that'll be fun since I don't have anybody to talk horror with. Um and like i started my blog damn it's fucking I know, storming right? it's, it makes my story sound way more dramatic than it actually is <laughs> <laughs> and then i killed my enemies and used their blood to scroll the writing no um, <laughs> no but, like i just it's just a story about wordpress it's not that dramatic but <laughs> <laughs> but yes just... i just i started this silly blog and you know, in hindsight, most of it is pretty awful, but some of it I still really like. Um, but yeah, I just started writing about horror and kind of started following a bunch of horror Twitter people. And um, it wasn't until I keep pausing for and dramatic. Then I fall, and, then I, and then I press the follow button. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> That's when my life changed forever. I'm waiting for like a huge clap of thunder to like lean in and tell something really cool. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. Oh, please. If, if we can if like somehow oh make that God. happen. If your fucking lights go off, I will scream. Oh, I will too. Um, just <laughs> I will too. Like I've been on podcasts before where we're talking about a scary movie and like, at one point my dog came in the room and the door was slowly opening behind me and i was like <laughs> it was like host like i was like pivoting this host yeah, some sh yeah some right? host shit. oh my god i shut the door like my cats will do that to me too and i'll be like <laughs> cat right please be a cat yeah exactly anyway. <laughs> like okay but yeah um and i didn't really think i would go anywhere with it or do anything with it because I thought I was terrible and nobody cared what I had to say. And then like last summer, it was, you know, middle of the pandemic, nothing else was going on. And I was like, fuck that. I'm going to see if anybody cares about what I have to say. <laughs> um, so I reached out to Shannon at Nightmarish Conjurings and she started publishing my stuff. And then I reached out to FilmCred and they started publishing my stuff. And I was like, maybe I could do this. Maybe people don't hate me and think I'm dumb and think my opinions are stupid. So you're very smart. <laughs> you. No one thinks that. I like to hear what you have to say as someone who has edited your work before. Thank you so much. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to isolate that clip and use it as like a mantra every day. So I don't like because like since January, I think both of y'all know and I think a lot of people who follow me know 2021 has not been the best year for me. Um, and I, right. <laughs> uh, yeah. have not been doing great on the writing just cause it's been really hard. And I, mm -hmm. I really hope that people don't forget about me and lose total patience with me because I'm struggling a little right now, 
but I am keeping writing and I am, you know, watching lots of horror and writing things. So I'm trying to get back on the horse, but it has been a rough year. So, yeah, well, and I feel like I have that. I struggle with that, too, a lot of like I don't write as people going to forget. But I feel like one, that's not true. Just it's talking not. to you like it's not true at all. And also it's just like I feel like the writing world feels so cutthroat and like you have to be producing constantly mm-hmm. that like it is so important to give ourselves a break. And this is me telling myself to do mm-hmm. that because <laughs> I am not very good at doing that. But like it's, it's Tell just me like about it. if, <laughs> if people like your writing, they're going to keep reading your stuff and like they're not going to forget about you and like you know i I think twitter dictates so much like how we think we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to feel and the milestones we're supposed Mm -hmm. to hit as writers and i think that that's a detriment to a lot of us i think we all just get so wrapped up and like we're not hitting the right milestones at the right time but like none of that matter like there aren't actual like miles to like actual things you're supposed to do but it just feels so hard on twitter especially this year when it feels like everyone is either hyper creating which unfortunately i have been doing like too much to myself or it's just like there's too much pressure to do that kind of stuff and like we should just all make normalize it to like take a break and not have to pump out content every single week yeah i get that I've, i've definitely been in a place where i'm like think i've forgotten how to write and i'll never write again and oh god you know but i'm trying to convince myself oh. that that's not oh, true yeah. <laughs> trust me i'm going through one of that those happened. spaces right now i'm just like i've never been i'll never write a sentence yeah, again yeah exactly that happened to me like multiple times last year so you're definitely not oh, alone god, on that end and see y- y'all not are alone. like two of my favorite writers and you f- it feels like you like put out um, like five amazing articles a day so i'm like what are you talking about <laughs> past couple of weeks i've been like brain empty i don't know how to pitch i don't know how to write a sentence what is writing <laughs> that's me on a yeah. just all we do is just commiserate right. about oh, it's my favorite thing i'm like let's talk about how much we struggle and how much we love I each know, other. it's the best like i'm sure it's i hope best. people have like not like switched off like man this girl is like talking about all her trauma and all her troubles like screw that oh like, no <laughs> They're used to that with, with with me, especially. I'm just like, here, here's have some weird shit that happened to me randomly out of nowhere. And they're like, you okay? No, but it's good. We have the best audience and they will love we you. We do have the That's best true. audience. They love our... Also, oh, we also... Yay, haunted doll! Anyway. I'm trying to think, I, don't, um, I don't have any cursed objects nearby. If I had one, I would show it to you, but... I have Abby's Abby Howard, one of my favorite comic artists. This is her cat. Her cat's Aww. named Spoons. Spoons. And this came with an uh, a certificate of authenticity that it is in fact haunted. Amazing. So this oh, is but my. It's, it's so cute. I know. It looks kind of haunted, but like I like it. It's like a, a haunted that I can vibe right. with. There you go. Like a friendly cat ghost. Um, a friendly yes. cat. Exactly. Okay. After talking about all of our traumas and being writers <laughs> and how hard it is, um, Jessica, what movie are we talking about today? We are talking about April Fool's Day, which oh my I goodness. am very excited to talk about. It's uh, one of my favorite slashers, and I, I enjoy it more every time I watch it, I think. so. Just as a heads up to our listeners, before we get to the plot summary, if you have not seen this movie, I mean, we, we you know by now that we do spoil movies, but like this one is predicated on some big twists. So if you haven't seen it make sh- and you want to see it, make sure you go watch. You might want to pause this recording. Uh, and honestly, you should watch it. 
it's really mm-hmm. fun. It's like funny and it's it's great. It's a wild ride, which we're about to talk about because holy shit, I expected <laughs> I knew nothing and I just was going absolutely fucking wild. Um, <laughs> so so April Fool's Day follows nine college students who are staying at a friend's remote island mansion. Let those words sink into you. Remote island mansion. <laughs> they begin to fall victim to an unseen murderer over the April Fool's Day weekend, but nothing is as it seems. Where's bum, my bum, thunder when bum. I need it? And like, need a... <laughs> I know. That was like the perfect time. God damn it, nature. <laughs> um, okay. So, Jessica, tell us your horror story about <laughs> April Fool's Day. How old were you when you first saw it? Like, what happened? Just like, give how us. How did you see us, it? Yeah. How did you see it? Paint us the okay. picture of April Fool's I Day. I was, let me see. I was probably 12 because I was at a fifth grade slumber party. Um, I was, yeah. Okay. Okay. And we had all, I don't remember who decided to rent this movie. It was probably me because I was obsessed with the cover art if everybody's familiar oh, pause that cover <laughs> art I, I had not seen this movie but that that poster and that and that vhs mm-hmm. art was one that i constantly gravitated to in the Same. horror section so i completely understand yes. wait jessica was it your birthday or someone else someone birthday? else's birthday yeah okay, i like that you chose the <laughs> movie <laughs> and i'm like I, I was probably bossier as a kid than as an adult and i was like oh fuck you because at another slumber party (laughs) (laughs) fuck you fuck your birthday we're watching april fool's day and you will love it another one i made everybody watch audrey rose i don't know if you've seen audrey rose but it (laughs) Mm -mm. no i haven't there's a scene where like someone is literally just walking down a hallway and it's really tense but nothing happens and i just screamed bloody murder with someone just kind of walking down the hallway <laughs> and i never lived it down so anyway yeah go watch audrey rose and like scream at the hallway scene for no reason in my honor <laughs> i love that okay so you yeah. rented the movie for yeah. someone else's birthday <laughs> there were a range of reactions to the movie <laughs> um, <laughs> Not right. surprised. Not surprised. Uh, some people were like, this is so dumb or this is too scary. And some people loved it. And I was one of the people who loved it and was obsessed with it. But I was also like, I've never been like the most trusting person. I've never really liked people playing jokes and stuff. But after watching this movie, <laughs> I don't trust a single motherfucker on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> I do not like pranks. I hate April Fool's Day. If I could like log off of the internet and stay in a bunker all day long on April Fool's Day every year, I would because I hate it so much. Like, can I go ahead and spoil the movie or should I wait? Yeah, okay. go. Yeah, so please. these kids are getting killed off one by one at this remote island mansion. And it turns out that it's all been an elaborate practical joke by one Muffy St. John. She of the most 80s name ever. Okay. Pause. <laughs> Muffy. Muffy St. John. Yes. If there was any indicator that this is the oh whitest God. and the richest movie ever, that name alone should do it for it you. Is. It's it. And if that name doesn't scream, I'm a white bitch who's going to kill all my friends. Kill all my friends. <laughs> Doesn't that fucking scream that to you? Good lord. We should have known from the beginning when you're like, what, Muffy St. John? I already don't trust that bitch. Like, and she's awful. What is she? She is awful. What is Muffy Muffy short for? Or is it just Muffy? 
It's it's not short. They make a comment in the movie. Yeah. It's not short for oh, anything. Right. Her name is like literally she's Muffy. Rich enough to just be Muffin Muffin or... nobody cares. Is that a fa- is that a family name? <laughs> Muffy, Muffy of the Martha family name. characters. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the characters have equally yeah. um, bizarre names, though. Nan Youngblood, Nikki Brashears, right? Arch Cummings. Cummings is I mean, the worst last name. I'm sorry, y'all. If y'all the last name is Cummings, I'm so sorry. No, I just think it's an unfortunate last name. Is I knew someone whose last name was C O C K S. It was not C O X. It was C O C K S. And it was Cop- pronounced was Cop- first name. Yes. I don't know if they were a major. <laughs> sorry. They were major Cox. Then they earned that name, I guess. No, uh. Wait. Mm-hmm. Wait. No, they weren't. They, they absolutely major were. And their co- name, like in the military. What? Like they're, yes. with major and, they're, <laughs> and, they're, and their email would get flagged constantly for... Um, As porn? And, and an appropriate name in it, yes. Yeah. So, like, their name was constantly blocked in the email server. But yes, Major, major Cox. Cox. I would... I would... <laughs> I would... I do not... Okay. Military, industrial complex, terrible. Don't like the military. But if I had a name like that, I probably would have to join the military just so I could have the title, the Major Cox. Like I just need to have that title, and then I quit. I'd be like, bye. Like I've done, I've done it now. All that you have to know is my name is Major. It would Cox. be like Catch, like anyway. Catch Twenty Two, where they promote him up to be Major Cox, and then they don't let him rise above it because it's like Major, 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 Major. You know. Um, so mm-hmm. it's like, no, he can't be General Cox. That's not as funny as Major Cox. So we're going to keep him at that rank. Lieutenant Sergeant Cox. <laughs> Corporal Cox. Uh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we find out that Muffy has orchestrated this whole thing. Yes. And then. And she does it in like the meanest way possible. And oh. we'll get into it with Nan, especially, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> oh, man. But, like, not only did it teach me not to trust rich people, <laughs> because they are awful in this movie, but it also, I just didn't trust anybody. Like, I didn't trust, like, when people would, like, say nice things to me, I would be like, this is a prank. This is Muffy St. John, like, trying to pull a fast one on me. Like, anything that happened, I was like, I do not trust this. Like, I, it fundamentally altered my view of the honesty of other people, like, for life. <laughs> April Fool's Day gave you trust yes, issues. <laughs> I love though that I, I just have this image now. If anytime that someone is playing a joke in you, I'm gonna I'm going to imagine you thinking someone is Muffy St. Johnning me. Like I love that. I love no, that. That's totally true though. Like like I see Deborah Foreman with that fright wig and I'm like, Mm-mm, I'm not falling for it, Muffy. But look, okay, this is the thing. That entire house, like right from the bat, it's like April Fool's jokes. This is a mansion of jokes. Fuck you, rich people, for having enough time to just be like, I'm going to make pranks. Like, that gives me such anxiety just thinking about because my family is very into April Fool's Day. And it is, we've had to put a moratorium on it because, like, my grandpa used to, like, do things like wake people up early and, like, make them do things and then reveal that they fucked with the Mm. clocks. And, like, it was nothing, like, as bad as this. But, like, I used to do makeup to make my stepdad think that I got punched in the face (laughs) and he'd get really upset. <laughs> oh, see, this is why I have a bunker for April Fool's Day. I just stay the fuck underground, <laughs> away from everybody else on the planet for one day. <laughs> I don't do it anymore, though. After I, like, I, like my wow, I know, was it, my mom encouraged it. It was a family thing. It was a problem. We are all deceitful pieces of shit. I understand. 
but I stopped it. I told my family now because it, it gave me so much anxiety. I'd be like, just no, none of this. Like, absolutely not. <laughs> I, and like my fiance and I won't do it to each other either. Thank God. But like at the very beginning, we start and she's like, I'm going to convent school. And my name, what is it? What is, what is that her was name? Nikki. Oh, my God. Nikki. Nikki. Oh, she... Cheryl, oh, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Mary yes. O'Reilly O'Toole O'Shea. <laughs> What's funny, though, is that when she was saying this, I legit thought she was being honest because I was like, this would be the kind of name that a rich bitch mm-hmm. like you would have. Like, that I was like, it does not surprise me that your name is Mary O'Reilly <laughs> O'Toole O'Shea. Like, I, I didn't exactly. even think about the Irish aspect of it. Like, I legitimately was like, that just sounds like someone I went to high school with. <laughs> I, I thought, but like I thought it was like a joke in the script, not like between the characters. I thought it was going to be like a, a playing a joke on like those kind of like rich like Roman Catholic families, and I was like, okay, I see where this is going, but, no. but <laughs> different direction. But then, Terry, you wrote this. We you wrote this in our notes about the found footage aspect of this film, which was really cool, like mm-hmm. the aesthetic at the very beginning, and I was like. Ooh, I like this handheld camera aspect of this movie. I hope we get more of that. We didn't, but it was a really cool way to kind of set it up as like, as a creepy kind of like, what is happening? Who is this kind of situation? Exactly, like it throws you off balance, like the whole time. I, as a kid, I was still like shocked by the ending when we find out that, oh, it's been a whole, a big joke the whole time. Even though they, they're telling you from the beginning, like, don't trust any of these people. Don't trust anything that's happening, you know. But yeah, I, I wondered when you said that you hadn't seen this before. I was like, oh, man, I hope she didn't think it was like found footage all the way through and got excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was didn't. really confused at the beginning. I was like, because like the the copy I saw started out in that sort of like four mm-hmm. by three frame block, even with the like the credits. So I was like, oh, is this has this not been like, you know, restored <laughs> was my first thought. And then it goes straight into that camera footage. I'm like, I wasn't expecting this to be like found footage-esque I was like what is going on here and it really kind of it feels so removed from what is ultimately like a very (laughs) silly film Um, but it it definitely starts off with it's very ominous like they were never seen from again (laughs) type feel to Mm -hmm. it you know what I mean and I don't know if that's because I've had like 35 years of like watching found footage films in between there but it's like that's what like hit me well, and this is why I was so glad I had no fucking idea what was happening. Like, I did, I knew nothing about this movie, so I was like, oh, what is this? And then she goes, and I fuck on the first date. And I was like, what is this? I was like, this movie is going to fuck with my brain. Like, I was like, all right, let's fucking go. Because that happens, and then not, not too long after that, there's this fake stabbing on the ferry over where they're all like April fools. We gotcha. I stabbed him. And then a guy falls in the water and loses his eye. And we haven't even gotten to the creepy island. I did yet. wonder about the logistics of that. No, like we haven't even gotten yes. to the Scooby-Doo S creepy ass Island, but like someone has been stabbed. Also, if my friend, like I, it seems like these friends have a culture of like mm-hmm. fucking with each other. Cause there is no way that y'all are like pretending to stab each other without having like, a history of pranking i would have left that friend group a long ago i would have been like oh we're getting to the point where we're doing fake stabbings <laughs> like absolutely because that's how you get actually murdered that's I how you know, get actually like, murdered that's I, how you okay, get murdered if i had been at that party 
Muffy would absolutely not still be breathing, first of all. <laughs> but um, Skip is supposedly her cousin, and nobody else really knows him. But he's the one engaged in the prank with Arch with this fake stabbing. So I either I missed something or, like, they got real close real fast. But with Arch, that wouldn't surprise me because he seems to like the boys. And he might have gotten close with okay, Skip fast. Okay, let's, uh, let's okay. talk about Arch. I love him. I do, too. I love, love Chaz. Him. His chaotic bisexual boyfriend. Chaotic bisexual men, which I feel like we never get in horror, ever. Like, we don't get Mm -hmm. bisexuals in general, but I feel like it's always female characters. And getting this kind of bisexual energy. When he tells, when after, because Nikki's like, you know, I'm going to convent school next year and I fuck on the first date. And then Arch immediately, or Chaz says to Arch, I fuck on the first date. We did on the first date, didn't we, honey? He's an animal. And I was like, okay, what are we doing? What are we establishing here? Is this going to be like um, slightly homophobic or are we going in like the homoerotic direction? And I was so happy to see Mm -hmm. that we were going in the bisexual, chaotic, I think they fuck on a daily basis type direction. When he goes up to the guy running the boat and is like, your Twinkie's hanging out for everyone to see, and then gives him a big, a big old smooch on the, the forehead. The loudest smooch. Oh, my God. I was like, like I a- love this man so much. I want him to be my friend. He is just Thank smooching you. men openly he in the public, is. just giving smooches, being he's sweet. Loaded. When he's in bed with Chaz, they're like rolling around. He says, hold me like a man holds another man. Like, yeah, hell yeah, do it. Okay. It's I just so good. I loved it. Like, this is my favorite movie. There's there's bisexual, happy, like, we're, like <laughs> not toxic men, totally. like, in the 80s, like, cuddling and, like, being gay. And it's just like, mwah. Anyway, it's sorry, so Terry. <laughs> it's yeah. so refreshing. Mm-hmm. That that scene is what, like, really, like, sold their relationship to me because mm-hmm. it starts out with, like, Chaz pushing the, the twin beds together, right? And the idea is that, oh, I'm going to be hooked up with, like, a, a girl and we're going to, you know, fuck or whatever. And then... <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Or whatever. whatever. <laughs> and then Arch comes in and they're like, he's like, let's play hide the sausage. Hold me like a man can hold another man. And they start roughhousing. But the difference here is that unlike the the soccer game, which we'll talk about in a minute, or like this stuff beforehand, there's no one else in the room. It is not performative. Mm-hmm. It is not. It is. They are genuinely roughhousing for each other and no one else. And I was like, oh, this is actually kind of sweet. Yeah. They're just enjoying each other's company and like, and I'm not being like titillating. They're like enjoying each other's bodies and just being, you know, loving. And it's just, oh, I love it. And I'm stuck between this rock and a hard place of being like, oh, they're just like really close guy friends who are like <laughs> sharing their feelings with each other. And they are sexual partners. Because you right. know, I always feel bad being like, oh, yeah, they're totally fucking when it's like good no friendship. <laughs> but like also... Right whatever it, it's it's just, it's refreshing in general to see a male friendship that is like they are very happy to joke with each other and be caring and emotional and no one mm-hmm. is uncomfortable and they are both doing it neither of them have they, to add a no homo to the end of it exactly yeah. like they, lo- they love each other and like there mm-hmm. is a consensual understanding between the two of them that they just really care for each other regardless if it's romantic or f- like fr- like friendship it's just like a really good male relationship on screen yeah, it's not played for laughs. None of the other characters respond in a way that's like disapproving or laughing at them. They're just like, yeah. oh man, such characters. They love each other so much. Isn't this great? It's It really is refreshing, yeah. especially well, like, for the time. Exactly. It's like no effeminate character who is just like a yeah. stereotypical gay man either. Mm-hmm. It is really refreshing. I was really shocked 
to see a movie where everyone like kind of sucks but like in a way that i kind of liked because they actually made them like they made everyone suck for like a good reason rather than just being like a bunch of like surface level characters they're adorable assholes they are they're like you know that probably would have been besides the pranking and the rich like they're like college friends like they act like dumbass college friends (laughs) that are just like fucking with each other homoerotic soccer (laughs) all right top gun you've got homoerotic volleyball scene but april fool's day has homoerotic soccer and i think that tops top gun sorry guys same year same year 1986 (laughs) all right guys 1986 is the year of the homoerotic sports montage (laughs) i i love this scene because i'll tell you arch just could not stop copping a feel on Chaz's ass like he was playing more grab Jeez. ass than he was playing grab ball like Juicy. this was I loved it grab them I loved cheeks. it right <laughs> and everyone was vibing everyone mm. was vibing they there wasn't were. any weird like what are you doing everyone's like yeah that's just them grabbing grabbing ass mm-hmm. just yeah. hanging out this is how we play soccer people love it's, it it's not isn't it? Yeah. That's how I played soccer growing up. That's probably why I'm gay. Cause <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, but then on the other side of the, of the wagon though, we had arch walking in on Chaz and Nikki fucking. And I have two <laughs> questions. <laughs> One, <laughs> how does that position work? Because like I had to like rewind it and like pause it and like, Try to understand what was happening because his leg, her legs are on his shoulder, mm-hmm. his shoulders, his mm-hmm. feet are somehow by her head. She's lying on her back. Her, yeah. His feet are by her head. Oh, man. One, yes. one, one of his feet. One of his legs. legs. I don't like, know where his other leg is, but one leg is up by her head. I think he's kind of doing the splits. Obviously, they both do Pilates because they are very limber people. <laughs> <laughs> Like, who's just like, yeah, I'm going to bust out the splits while I'm balls deep inside of you? The logistics logistics here. I I have questions. I want Chaz's number. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, me too. Absolutely. But I just... I don't I don't understand how that works. And I like literally was like, okay, am I just being obtuse or am I like prudish? Do I not know this sex position? Because I'm like, <laughs> this just seems uncomfortable to the nth degree. And like he when when like Arch leaves the room, we see like Chad's like leaning over. And I'm like, how is this working? I get it. Like I feel like I'd have to like draw it out, but I'm not much of an artist, so you probably like this makes less sense than before. No, Jessica, I still but... want you to draw to okay. draw this out <laughs> in will. time for us to post this episode so we can include <laughs> yes, your in the show notes. Yeah, no, like pornographic drawing by Jessica. <laughs> color coding whose limbs are whose. Oh yes, I will color code it. That would be helpful. Yes, that's important because there's yeah. lots of limbs all over the place. There are, and he's a whole. He's like grabbing onto the weird wire headboard, and like he does not look like he's Just enjoying himself. Understand. He's like so. <laughs> he wants to be with Arch. Well, that's true. And I was sad that when Arch walked in on him that he didn't just join in the fun. To be perfectly honest, but I realize that's not going to happen in an '86 movie. But that's. That's what should have happened. You can still dream. Wait, which one of them? Which one of them said to um, Kit and her boy toy, like, "And here comes the couple after engaging in 
a normal amount of non-violent sex. That was arch, I think. <laughs> it was arch, right? Was yeah, because he has the camera, and he's like, here it comes. And I thought that was the funniest line of the whole movie. I don't know. I was like so quietly said. I know. just saying that about them, and I thought I it was so them. funny. Vanilla motherfuckers. Like, <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> and doing Pilates sex and having like S and M gear, you know, right? it's like yeah, S and M gear. Yep. Um. Oh, and of course we had the good like creaking bed, and everyone can hear what they're doing because everything mm-hmm. is creaking very loudly in this old river house yes. or island mansion, whatever we want to call it, whatever, whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> <laughs> but I, okay, house since we did bring him up, <laughs> house oh of my Muffy. god, house of Muffy. <laughs> since you did bring up the vanilla pair i do want to talk about kit and rob because first of all amy Steele, yes friday the 13th part Mm -hmm. two the queen with a car let's just drive by (laughs) (laughs) so we have we have amy Steele from friday the 13th part two and i feel like they do actually have really good chemistry i did love the scene where they do fool around in the in the dock house and like she pulls down his like his his uh, towel, and he like immediately covers up his nipples and like his crotch. Like he's like ooh, you know. But <laughs> it's like it feels very like I I don't know. It, it felt real to me. Yeah, like the relationship felt real. It didn't feel porny as porny as like Nikki, and like it didn't feel like ooh, we're gonna go fuck in the boathouse in the dog house. <laughs> yeah, there was more romance to it. I think like uh, Chaz and Nikki are more like going for like the gold medal and fucking and like kit and rob are actually kind of in love with each other but like the whole cast there's so much chemistry just as Mm. friends like you believe who these people are and you love these people like you were talking about adorable assholes like they're just so likable like you want to be friends with them kind of even though they're rich douchebags um (laughs) oh yeah fuck muffy yeah um but yeah like they all have such chemistry to, like i would watch an hour of that soccer game even if there weren't any homoeroticism in it even though i prefer it with the homoeroticism but yeah like i would watch them just hang out i just i love their chemistry just as friend groups well and it's so interesting how so many movies seem to have a hard time developing even like a, a group of characters half that size and mm-hmm. here it's a, it's a, still less than 90 minutes long but you still get that sense of like fret like found family with these people like with yeah. this group and like you get to know them and their personalities and it is so interesting how hard that it hard, hard, how hard that is in movies like and how it is really important to create these really fascinating characters in the way that it it can be done without you know sacrificing the plot of the film and maybe because the entire movie is like kind of rooted in their relationships and like their trust of one another but mm. it was really surprising to see how in depth these characters were written for a movie like this it is the script is so good and i love some of these actors are some of my favorites like um arch the uh, thomas f wilson who most people know as biff from the back to the future he is one of the most personable <gasps> oh my God, that was biff? yes that's biff he is one of the most charismatic actors i've ever seen in my life i love him like just uh but yeah the script i was struck by how smart it was like i i never gave it credit before because i wasn't really paying attention to things like that but like everything it's saying about class and you know how we were talking about it's got all these homoerotic elements without ever making fun of them like there's so much going on it's so tight and so smart why don't don't we talk about this movie more i don't know i love it (laughs) 
Well, we we should be talking about it more because it is celebrating. It just celebrated its 35th anniversary. So it's like, oh, really? this is the year to be talking about right? it. I missed the. I should have been pitching everywhere about this movie. <laughs> I was going to say, like, no, I'm going to start pitching everywhere about this movie. <laughs> Let me talk about gay soccer. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you're, you're absolutely right, though, that they, like, I, I was just thinking about it as you were talking about this, that, yes, each character feels unique in their regard. No one, they all kind of have that kind of lovable asshole kind of vibe to them, but each character feels kind of singular and unique. There's no, like, they don't, like, just meld into a group of nameless, faceless teens that get slaughtered in these types of movies. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. I could not tell you most of the character names from most Friday the 13th movies, for instance. Sorry for fans of Friday the 13th, that, but that is that is how that is my truth. <laughs> and I must speak it. But like here I was like, OK, this is Nan. This is Arch. This is Skip. Like I, I got them all and they all felt unique in some in some way yeah they even me. like they some of them talk about the like the poor little rich girl poor little rich boy thing that could easily be a cliche and make you hate them more but like skip being you know talking about how he'll get disowned um but by because of the fairy accident where he was mm-hmm. responsible for the guy losing his eye you know there's some real pain there about having so much pressure and having really a fucked up family life because as we learn skip is actually muffy's brother and muffy's whole prank thing came about when she was a little girl and she's at a birthday party and all the adults play a prank on her because she's got this jack in the box and she's turning it and then this monster jumps out and they all laugh at her that will fuck a kid up mm. so clearly she has some prank related trauma and i i just love the idea that they're exploring like generational trauma and burdens um regardless of class but in specifically with you know upper classes i guess you'd say in this one and i i love that they're not trying to tell you that these are good people but they're still kind of visiting this idea of like what that does to a kid and how fucked up you get later on in life so i I, there's just so much going on in the script yeah and then there's rob who's it's rob right about medical school Mm -hmm. and he's just like yeah i got in and then he's like but you know my advisor still said all this shit to me and i still like don't feel he doesn't take it seriously enough to yeah take it seriously to be a doctor and like you just feel like you know you can have these successes that seem like okay rich boy but then there's also like this kind of underlying anxiety and like you know anxiety underneath that that they go into a little bit and it doesn't feel like oh why the hell are you throwing that in there like it feels it feels important and it doesn't feel like they just put it in there for no reason and left it like there was it was included enough that it felt like a really interesting kind of like detail that enriched the character but didn't feel like some kind of non sequitur like a red herring yeah and everybody has a different level of wealth like rob is still you know he's got enough money that he that going to medical school is an option for him but he talks about how everybody else has more money than him and like there are all these different um income i guess income brackets and it like it changes how they re react to each other like it changes how they treat each other and it's really interesting to see that well, yeah. and even in, in, in amongst uh, – I mean, we're kind of talking about this, but in amongst the kind of richness above him, there is also Hal, Harvey Edison Jr., and I'm pretty sure that Edison is supposed to be sort of like a little wink and nod to like old money. But like he he's the only one that seems like kind of a jerk in the group because there there's a scene where he's practicing his speech to go get with Muffy <laughs> and he's like saying, with my talent and your money. <laughs> so it's like he has reduced her from being – 
a person to being she is she's old money she has the paycheck and i have the talent and he's smoking his cigar while he's doing this so like they're even among the rest of the group that we're we're arch is saying like you know we're privileged independent the hope for the future and does anyone know what we're going to do after graduation and no one knows what they're doing yet you have harvey that's like yeah I'm going to take her money. I'm going to marry her and she's going to be my trophy wife, basically. Yeah. Like everybody else can laugh at themselves and say, yeah, we're kind of assholes and we know it, but we're trying to do the best. He's a real asshole. Yeah. Yeah. But, but he's the only one who doesn't know that he's an asshole. Harvey Mm -hmm. is. So that's why like, other than Muffy, he's like the biggest villain, I think. Muffy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like this whole show could just be us going, God, fucking Muffy. (laughs) Muffy and Buffy. (laughs) Muffy and Buffy. Ugh fucking muffy and buffy (laughs) i mean okay but who who would name i mean i guess we we know the answer even though she doesn't have a twin but who would literally name their twins muffy and buffy like are you fucking kidding i've heard some weird shit though like i haven't heard that level of shit but like i feel like the twins i have met like they always have the same first letter or like similar sounding names and i'm like why are you doing this your children look identical to each other why are you making this harder than it has to be i don't understand why why are we doing this like sorry so i knew a lot i had like a weird number of twins my graduating year and there was like cameron and colin and like oh oh, what the fuck where there was two there was two like they had very similar names that started with h and they were identical and i was like nope (laughs) absolutely not i do not approve (laughs) i was like you don't you can't tell them apart i'm like no i don't spend that much time thinking about it good lord i said and like they both sat next to me and i still couldn't figure out who they were we had uh, some trauma with twins i don't know (laughs) i had a teacher who was who was a twin and he taught math his twin brother taught math at one taught math at east high school in bellevue the other one taught math at west high school <laughs> they were the identical did they no lead like way. rival groups of math geeks and they had like <laughs> rumbles in the alley or something they would they would um take over each other's classes though like they they would end up like swapping classes like like and that takes it to a whole other level of like fucking with a substitute teacher uh-huh Okay, you know so, yeah, they did that with romantic partners. You know they did that. Mm. Sorry that I went yeah. there. Sorry about that. <laughs> no. That's probably true, though. Yeah. It's probably true. Yeah. Like, if you're going to do that to a classroom of children. Right. So I, I also I wanted to give a <laughs> shout out. <laughs> I don't want to think about this anymore. Twins, twins are weird. <laughs> twins are weird. I don't understand. Twins are fucking weird. Whether you're weird. Muffy and Buffy or Cameron and Colin. I, I do want to give a shout out to Nikki. Um, and not only because Nikki is the name of my best friend, but like I love her character in this. In the, I love her in this I movie. Love I love her voice. Her voice is like smooth whiskey. <laughs> and she is literally my favorite character in there because she subverts that kind of bitchy blonde that we get in these horror films because she comes across as like, you know, we, we introduce in the first thing she says, I'm going to the convent next semester and I fuck on the first date. And then she is taking off her clothes and like sunbathing. And then she's, you know, outside the window, she's, with strategically placed like a jacket covering up her breasts. This movie is very for being like a sex comedy in a way. There's no nudity. It's it's whatsoever in this. And, but like, so she presents that, but then she's also kind. She's also very smart. She's also the one that goes climbing down in that well when, when trying to find, you know, the bodies, Mm -hmm. like she is a great character. She is. I I love it when she was like, I'm not afraid of a few frogs and spiders, Harvey. 
She's got one up on me. <laughs> Same. But it feels like there weren't any like slasher tropes. It felt like they were like, they were like, haha, this whole movie is red herring after red herring after red herring. Mm-hmm. And it feels like it's like, oop, who's the final girl? Oop, who's, who's the sex crazed girl who's going to get killed first? Oop, who's this? But then it's just like, no one. Surprise. Like, it is really interesting how it plays with that. I will say, though, that Kit becomes more tomboyish as the movie goes on. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. To the true. point where, like, she's wearing, like, a, it's a blouse, but she's wearing it almost like an open, like a, like mm-hmm. a collared shirt, and she has a tie on. Mm-hmm. Like, the the amount of, like, progress she goes from being, I mean, she wasn't that sexualized in the beginning, but sort of that pro- progression to the more masculine, or at least traditionally masculine at the time, kind of, it, it really does kind of, I, th- I thought, fit in with, like, the, the final girl thing. But I do think it was a, kind of a wink and a nudge. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good way to think of it. There's like homages a little bit, wink and nudges to to like slasher kind of oh expectations, but it ultimately is like we have sex and we don't die, and like the final girl lives, but you know her boyfriend doesn't die either. Um, I guess we want to go into talking about that ending, like into more detail now that we're kind of talk- like dancing around it. <laughs> yeah, and I I wanted to say about Nikki when she kind of takes Muffy aside and says, "You always get there first with guys, but Chaz is mine, okay?" Like I feel like they're kind of setting Muffy up as like the bitch and the sex crazed girl. Like she's a bunch of different mm. slasher tropes in one, but yeah. since she's quote unquote the killer, they kind of remove her from the equation at the same time, so they're playing with it in a really interesting way in that regard too. Because, like, yeah. if she's the yeah. bitchy girl who oh, yeah. should die. She's the quote-unquote slut who should die, you know. But she's the one doing all the killing, supposedly. So. <laughs> well, right. supposedly. <laughs> so we do get to this ending. And, I, Mary Beth, this, this was both of our first watches. I knew the twist, unfortunately, going in. But you did not. Did this surprise you? Oh, my God. I was texting Terry. I was texting text. Terry. I was like... What the fuck is like every couple of minutes at the end? I was like, I don't understand what's happening. I don't like what the fuck because like my first okay. So the first big thing was like, holy shit, Muffy has a crazy sister named Buffy <laughs> who like escaped and is like burned her clothes and they found a dead Muffy and I was like, holy shit, like this is bananagram. <laughs> fuck yeah. Uh... And I was like, oh my god, no way, like classic your twin is a killer like cool and then and then it was like i was like oh wow what a cool movie and then the twist happened where it's like april fools and i was like i texted terry in all caps i'm going to commit a fucking homicide like i cannot fucking handle this i would have everyone would have been deceased i was so mad i was so angry i was like this is gaslighting this is so mean what kind of friends are you thank you so were you mad at the movie or were you mad at fucking muffy I was mad at all of it. I was, like, I was mad at the whole thing. I was That's like, totally how fair. dare you? Like, all I could think about was like, poor Kit is like about like, things going to get murdered. Her poor boyfriend is just like, Kit, Kit. And like, he's so sad. I love you. And like, oh, they're just run. so scared. And she's like coming up with the knife and she's freaking out. And then she walks into the living room and everyone's just chilling. <laughs> Completely ignoring yeah. her. By I the was way, like, I was like, "Does this a whole? What is this? What is happening? Did I miss something? <laughs> I don't understand." I was like, "Wait, it was an entire April Fool's joke the whole time." Fuck! I loved it though. I was like, 
that's that's fucking gutsy though to be like psych though everything was like a total joke and i'm like this came out (laughs) that was a movie that people like and then the best part was when the guy who had his eye his eye come out walked up (laughs) bucky what the fuck was that oh it was my kitten hitting the door full force (laughs) to get in i almost just it's getting very heated about april fool's day um but like we found a dead nothing (laughs) (laughs) but like i i couldn't stop thinking about the guy who lost his eye on the boat and i was like what is that gonna come into play and then he walks up to the boyfriend and peels off the injury and i was like and smooches him and And slaps him with his own eyeball Muffied. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I want that on a shirt. He just, Y'all got, just muffied. got muffied. <laughs> bitch. Um, um oh, But god. then like Muffy is like laying it out. It's at the end of like a murder mystery where like I, Muffy St. John, orchestrated this crazy <laughs> thing because I wanted to turn my house into a hotel and she rolls out a fucking like tray of champagne yeah. bottles and they're like and you i'm an i'm an effects artist and you <laughs> like, i'm tom savini like, yeah. <laughs> but he like and you captain of the ship <laughs> captain of that and he's like i'm not an actor i just thought it'd be fun <laughs> it's like yeah. what is happening it's just like <laughs> it's what, but, like I'm so glad I didn't know because it was so much more fun to be like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? Oh my god! Oh. <laughs> it was so good. Oh my god! What's What's funny is when I was doing research um, on this, I I did come across an article in Bloody Disgusting, which was actually written by Trace Thurman, one of the the horror queers. But he was talking about seeing this for the first time in 2016, and. He had this he, – he did some – I guess he did some research. There's a book written by Adam Rockoff called Going to Pieces, The Rise and Fall of the Slasher Film. Mm. And two – there's like a couple points that are brought up in this. One is that this movie was one of the reasons why the slasher genre like ended up nosediving because as as low as this movie cost, it, it was considered a failure and audiences hated it because of the things that we're talking about. But that was for there was like a reason behind that, though, is that uh, according to the director, Paramount didn't know how to release it other than as a typical slasher picture. So most audiences came in expecting to see something they weren't going to see and were disappointed. It wasn't marketed to something fresh, hip and fun. So there's that. And then there's the other side of things that um, I guess the the movie actually originally did have a darker third act where they the, the friends leave the island and then Skip ends up killing Muffy for the inheritance. <gasps> wow, that's pretty cool. Well, okay, so that would have been rad because at the at the very end, Muffy is going up like wasted up to her bed, and the Jack in the Box in the beginning is on her bed, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh no, another another <laughs> jump scare, an, uh, another twist is coming, and so she gets her throat slit by nan correct yes. the, the ner- throat slit by nan and poor muffy is like holy shit i'm bleeding out <laughs> and then nan kisses her on the forehead and goes april fools and had like fake blood coming out of a pair of scissors and i was like fuck 
every fucking single one of you fucking people i fucking hate every single one of you and i would have turned around and stabbed that bitch not even on purpose just like reflexively would have been like i love watching you go through what i went through at like 12 and i don't trust anyone like (laughs) Like, fuck you like walking down the street seeing strangers fuck you fuck you fuck you fuck you No, <laughs> see, this is this is where I didn't know about this ending. I knew about the, you know, the surprise. And so I was like, oh, is Nan killing her because she was an absolute dick to her with the, the, the baby sounds? Mm-hmm. And oh, like, my God, the idea that, was... that, you know, she had an abortion. I'm like, so I I was like, yeah, you go kill her. And then it's like, no, psychos. I was a little disappointed, to be perfectly right? honest, because I was like, you are rude. You are evil. <laughs> And you even even if we take out the fact that you just put on a multi bonkers April Fools on your friends, you totally fucked with her in a way that you should not be fucking with someone. And like really cruel, like took that personal Mm -hmm. information and was like, "Ooh, like it's funny, but is it funny? Ooh, 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 I don't know. And then you're just like and but then it's like at the same time, you don't want to tell your friends about it because if they don't know you had like, uh, you don't know they had an abortion and you're like cool this is fun for me to deal with by myself and like mm-hmm. have no one to talk to about it and just be reminded of my trauma of having an abortion like yeah, that, thanks a lot friend that they kind of suggested she was forced into by the guy that got her pregnant and also when muffy quote-unquote apologized for it she said i do regret that some people took that shit way too seriously like she's side-eyeing they, oh that was god. not an apology i was so pissed off oh my god I get pissed off every sorry, time. Sorry, you got mad that I made fun s- of your your abortion, right? Like, I'm sorry I used your psychological trauma against you in the most horrific way possible. God, <laughs> like uh. it, it was a funny. It's for me to make a hotel out of my house. It's been nice to me. I know, but okay. I have a question about Nan though. Um, at one point, Arch is when he's doing his like spiel to the camera about like I plan to bet every woman I meet except Nan. Does he think Nan is gay? Like between when he's like Nan's out of the question because she likes the theater, and then when she kisses uh, Muffy in her bed, like are they suggesting that Nan is a lesbian? I so was wondering. I, I also was wondering that because I was like, I don't have enough information, but that smooch at the end. Mm-hmm. It felt pointed thunder smooches. <laughs> um, well, because and that makes you think about it because, like, with you know our homoerotic soccer boys, mm-hmm. like they did things like that too, and that seems like you know definitely played up for like homoeroticism. So her kiss at the end also had that kind of vein mm-hmm. to it. Like you didn't think about her, as, and she kind of gave off like nerdy one who wasn't very sexual was reading dante and like reading books by herself like doing her homework mm-hmm. so well, at the end of the movie she's all her hair is also slicked back and it's like oh yeah yeah, yeah. it gives off that sort of like lesbian energy to be perfectly honest like i loved it and i was like what are you trying to say here because it, her hairstyle was completely different it looked like she was kind of like dressed up differently like for some reason i i barely remember what she looked like but it just it looked it looked different than what she had looked as the rest she of the movie. Had like, this is just me being obsessed with Atomic Blonde, but she had like Atomic Blonde energy. She was dressed in like all black, yes. slicked back blonde hair, like an assassin. Yeah. And I was like, it was very it queer. Was. It read yes. weird to me. Wait, guys, is this a queer classic that no one talks about? I think we should yes. say it is. I think we should make it canon. It. 
or play a minute. And also, okay, with the little <laughs> practical jokes, though, I do have a question because Nikki finds the S and M gear, mm-hmm. and she says, mm-hmm. "This isn't for me." And then Chaz is seen holding it. Is he the one that's in the in the S and M? I think it is for Nikki because she's do like, you? she says, "This isn't for me," and he's like, "Are you sure?" And then later, when they're talking about um, like the the clippings, like the clippings about a car accident and Harvey's like, I'd never had a car accident, like looking around. Like, mm. I feel like they left a lot of things unsaid, but um, since Muffy and Nikki are like the closest, I think, and know the most about each other, because Nikki's always talking about how well she knows Muffy. I feel like there's some story there that Nikki doesn't want to tell anybody that only Chaz and Muffy know. Like, I, I think that was for her and something is going on there that they never really let us in on, but it's something that mm. kind of gets under Nikki's skin and she's trying not to show it. Okay. I still want it to be Chaz. No, I get that hundred percent. I just would love to see him, but I mean, he, he does try on the masks yeah. and stuff. So he does put yeah. it on. So we'll always have that. <laughs> we will always have that. <laughs> we'll always have S and M gear. Um, I also, okay. I also have a question. If you guys, played i don't know if you if either of you are big video well, i know mary beth plays video games i don't know if either of you are big big video game fans but have you guys played until dawn i have not i'm not much of a gamer i'm afraid okay well the story of have you played it mary beth yes. are you familiar well, with it watched let's plays of the whole thing so technically i have not played it but yes i am familiar. because i do feel that until dawn has taken from this movie because 110 oh, percent. because the idea behind that movie or behind that movie well, it's kind of like a movie that video game is that this this guy had trauma this someone died and then he invites everyone back up to his spooky mansion in like the the wilderness he and then like he gets killed and then people start disappearing and it turns out he is was fabricating the whole thing and i'm like it was it's totally like the the the, the plot of of this movie in, in one guard but it's a little bit more it's even more mean-spirited than this um and then it goes on in a different direction but like that is one of the subplots of that of that game and i was like oh watching this is like that is where yeah. until dawn kind of gets that that feel from mm-hmm. Interesting. and then brenda i have to say brenda from final legend Urban Legend, not final. Oh, Urban Legends. Yes. Have you ever... Oh my god! With her like bonkers wide eyes look and her her like fried yes. hair at the end is totally pulling a totally. muffy. Totally. Oh, I'm obsessed with that. Yes. She did a muffy. <laughs> she, she she did, did a, a muffy. I, I think she would have done a muffy or two in her day. <laughs> I'm claiming Brenda too. I don't care. <laughs> there you go. I'm, I'm here for it. April Fool's Day, a.k.a. Muffy's Day. I feel like that should be rebranded. Muffy's Day out. (laughs) Day of the Muff. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Muff of the Muff. Um, Do we want to give April Fool's Day our rating out of five? We definitely do. This phenomenal... uh, claiming it now queer classic horror film <laughs> slash i guess it's not technically a horror film but sex comedy i don't know but um terry how many homoerotic soccer games out of five do you give april fool's day well i love me a homoerotic soccer game um yes. more than anything else uh well okay no i think i'd actually take a homoerotic rugby game mm. over okay soccer yeah oh boy yeah there's a lot of but nudity I'll, in rugby games too there Oof. really is they're definitely like that e- even without the the kind of 
I, you wouldn't need to film it and add homoeroticism <laughs> to it. Rugby is just homoerotic. They're just pulling each other's pants down. They're like, it, yeah. Anyway, uh, I as much as I'd love to give this five, I, I was gonna give it. I was gonna give it like three and a half, but then when we were talking about it, I had to bump that up. I'm gonna give it four full homoerotic f- soccer games out of five. I think this movie is a blast. It's even though I knew it was gonna happen, I had so much fun watching it sort of unfold. I think the characters are an absolute fucking delight, um, and I want Chaz and Arch to fuck. So if they had fucked, it would have been five. <laughs> Um, <laughs> what about you, Mary Beth? So I initially, when I like finished the movie and put it on Letterboxd, I was like, oh, we get three, three homoerotic soccer games. Like, this was good. But the more we're talking about it, the more I'm like, this movie fucking rules. Like, this movie, I didn't know the twist, so I had so much fun with that. Like, being so shocked at every moment, which I feel like is so hard nowadays with a lot of older, like, any movie, I feel like it's hard not to know the twist. But then this really, like, these tones of homoeroticism that were like really well done and not played for laughs or played as as cruel for cruelty but you know just really interesting parts of characters it plays with slasher tropes in a really interesting way you i would you would think like, I, the ending might seem cheap to some people but i think it's amazing like it just kind of pays off with the whole tone of this movie it's so fucking weird it just works so yeah i'm gonna give this four homoerotic soccer games out of five where i will be sitting in a chair drinking a white claw and enjoying myself (laughs) (laughs) jessica you have a final word how many homoerotic soccer games do you get april fool's Um, day i'm gonna have to agree with both of you this i love 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 this movie i think it is it's really smart it's really like progressive for the time it's it's surprising the first time you see it but it is endlessly rewatchable this is honestly one of my comfort movies even though it makes me angry in parts (laughs) but it's just it's so much fun it's so hilarious the cast is great the script is great the direction is really cool in certain Mm. places um so yeah i i'm gonna give it four homoerotic soccer games out of five as well i love this movie and i i hope if anybody who's listening has not seen it that everybody goes out and watches it because i love this movie it's on amazon prime yeah, it was free. It was a free watch. It's so weird. Also, think you, you mentioned the, the the direction because this is the director of When a Stranger Calls, which is another really good take on like that sort of like babysitter in the um, babys well babysitter mm-hmm. watching a kid movie from the late seventies. And that mm-hmm. one, that's, have you seen that, Mary Beth? I've only seen the remake. I haven't seen the <laughs> I haven't seen the original. <laughs> The remake was a wasted opportunity for When a Stranger Calls because that original one scared the shit out of me. But I also saw it when I was that age when like that kind like I was the perfect demographic (laughs) for the remake when it came out because I was the babysitter age, like going to people's houses and watching kids. And I didn't know about the original (laughs) one. So it scared the absolute shit out of me. But that's neither here nor there. The the original one, uh, it's equally surprising, I would say, to this movie. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. I, I won't say anything beyond this but the structure of the original Mm. surprised me a lot because i had a Mm -hmm. preconceived notion going in and it was the opposite Mm -hmm. of what i thought so you think it's the remake Mm. like the remake is is, yeah yeah and i we we need you need to have you watch that movie mary beth because it's really good I can do that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Jessica, for bringing this movie <laughs> to our attention and rocking our world with the, the queerness of it. I absolutely love it. So, thank you so much. Um, 
where can listeners find you and what do you have that you'd like to, to share of your, of your work? Coming um, up? You can find me on Twitter at we who walk here. Um, I have um, a link to my portfolio. I've got new articles coming out and I might have some podcast news coming out soon, maybe possibly. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, just come say hi to me at we who walk here and let me know what you thought of the movie and check out my articles. Cause I share them and post them on my profile and everything. So Yay. So listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. What was your experience with April Fool's Day? And did it rock your world? Like it rocked ours. <laughs> Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm a Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It seriously does. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.